Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premium media podcast. Every fortnight, we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content, and help you answer the question: Is it a smart career decision to ask why Keanu Reeves is still alive? No, it isn't. You know, pretty sure Matthew Perry's career is over now. <laughs> Did you see the story? Yes, yes, I saw the story. <laughs> Wild, very odd story. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. On today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, covering some pretty big news this week. Uh, giving this week's top three and giving some thumbs to some trailers. Uh, first things first for con- stuff we've already got content for. <laughs> Black Adam finally released. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe was changed, maybe. Uh, with this movie starring The Rock as an ancient, uh, you know, man given powers by the same wizards who gave Shazam his powers, uh, has been away, trapped away 5,000 years, gets released and causes havoc in Kandak, uh, and then the Justice Society has to come in and it's like, hey, you know, please stop being, causing havoc. Um, Yeah. It's a movie. It's fine. It's pretty bland. Uh, yeah, we, it, there's no. Yeah, there's some fun action sequences, but it's very repetitive, um, and you know, it, it's just not a great time, in my opinion. Dylan, can you remember what you thought of Black 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 Adam? <laughs> Uh, terrible movie, don't watch it. I fell asleep at one stage. Uh, don't watch it, you don't, and just listen to the spoiler cast, because you just get to hear me complain about it with more detail. Uh, yeah. That, that's a fair summary, although it did do, unsurprisingly, reasonably well at the box office. And there are people who actually like it. It's got a very high score on, like, IMDb and stuff, so. The world is a strange place. It's pretty much... How do you break it down? I can see how, you know, it could be appealing to some people, you know? The Rock's killing a bunch of people. He's a guy who doesn't listen to any authority figures. Uh, you know, he does what he wants with reckless abandon, that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It, it Yeah. I don't understand the love for it. It's the same guy. I, I feel like it's DC's equivalent of Venom, you know? I'm not going to say Morbius. Like this, is wor- would- wor- this is worse than Venom. Okay. This be cool. At least you've got Tom Hardy like having fun with that role and his personality to, to that character. That's fair. It's a bit more enjoyable. Like a dumb fun. Morbius and Venom are better than this movie. <laughs> I don't... There you go. I don't, I think, you don't no. get Matt Smith dancing. No, I can't. I can't put Morbius, Morbius over this movie. I'm putting Morbius over it. There you go. There's my ranking. Okay. Let us know your rankings. <laughs> uh, all right. Also, this past week, House of the Dragon came to conclusion. Of course, we've been talking about each and every episode over at South of King's Landing, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, but Dylan, what do you think of season one of House of the Dragon overall? Uh, very good. Return to form for the Game of Thrones universe franchise. Uh, 
really enjoyed the i didn't mind the time jumps that some people have complained about online i thought it made sense for the direction of the show and where they wanted to get and everything like that uh, really a bunch of great characters with interesting stories behind them all some of them sort of fit the arcs or sort of types of characters that you'd know from the the original series of while others feel really different um i felt like the whole thing was put together very well um yeah i'm very very you know first i'd say this is a better first season than game of thrones first season wow just like as a whole I, I would say uh, i would say as a as a entire product this was a better written better put together first season not say game of thrones season one's bad of course but most people remember game of thrones season one for the shocking penultimate episode mm. and everything like that and whatever else but i'd say overall this was a better written uh debut season I don't know if I go that far, but that's also because I haven't watched the first season of Game of Thrones since it came out, so. I'm on here for nothing but hot takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like it. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed House of the Dragon. Obviously, we talked about each and every episode. It was pretty fantastic across the board. Uh, I feel like the time jump elements, um, I feel like it was probably harsher for people who were not paying attention to like online coverage and that kind of stuff, like listening to our podcast. Yeah, I know. Someone at my work, yeah. yeah. Someone at my work was really shocked when suddenly it went to an adult cast member. And I was like, Did you not yeah, know but that was like cast- a mouse ahead of time? They cast. You yeah, didn't yeah, watch and they were, oh, no, I didn't know. So. You didn't see any promotional like yeah, footage. Yeah, yeah. You didn't watch the trailer. It's like. The poster had the adult cast, not like yeah. the kid cast. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway, so just goes to show. It does. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, I feel like that was, like, maybe a contributing factor. Um, but, yeah, really impactful. Uh, hard one, hard watch at times. <laughs> a show that definitely mm. needed some uh, some content warnings at certain points throughout the season. Uh, especially, you know, if you've had problems with uh, childbirth and that kind of stuff. Like, a lot of that. And it was gruesome and rough every single time, pretty much. Was there, like, really simple births in Cast the Dragon? Um, really fantastic, really great performances by pretty much... I can't think of it like it's someone that was like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this person. Everybody was no. pretty... came to play, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Cast the Dragon leaves it in very interesting point for season two. I would say my only thing is I wish they kind of... I wish it had been slowed down, uh, but if we're getting to where we want quicker, you know, that's fine. I, Especially I just, considering the show is probably going to be another two years before we get another season. Yeah, I feel like the problem is, is that if everyone, if everyone got what they wanted and it slowed down, then I feel like the opposite would be happening at the end of the season where people would be complaining that they didn't get any action. And You'd be like, what, be like what well, are we doing all season? There's no... Yeah, it'd be like, well, there's really no action until they're adults. That's the whole story. So if you want them to stay kids and like deal with that, then you can have a slow build of a couple of seasons. But like, there's no not going to be any fighting because yeah, there's not going to be fighting till twenty so. twenty thirty. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I feel like that's a thing where a lot of people think they know what they want, but in reality, I feel like if that's the show we got, like two seasons before a time jump or two seasons before they went to adults, then people would be like, "Man, oh, this show is so slow. There's, there's no action in it." <laughs> so. Uh, we also talked about the latest Doctor Who uh, 
It was the Doctor Who centenary special, special Power of the Doctor, over on Fish Rings and Custard, our Doctor Who podcast. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of the special? It was a fine way to wrap up uh, the f- final episode for... Um Jodie Whittaker. Fuck, what's the name? Wow. Jodie Whittaker. They said Jodie Foster for a hot sex. She's already dead here. <laughs> um, the, I, I run, uh, the 13th Doctor has had a run that is just sort of marred by bad writing. Nothing to do with her. I've said this a million times. Like, I feel like she, she ultimately deserved a lot better, but it was just, there, there was just no, it really struggled to find a, a good writing team, a creative team. Mm. And, um, I don't think the show's had it's pro- this last couple of years has been the lowest of lows. I feel since the the reboot, like it is, it's been on struggle street. So as far as the last couple of years of this run of this Doctor felt this special sort of felt in line was that tone. Like it was perfectly fine and it was fine. It was okay. Made not a lot of sense if you ever thought about it, and it was it was whatever. It was it was fine. Yeah, I think it was it was an okay episode. There's like a lot of stuff that just kind of happens and is kind of just pulled along for the ride. Nothing is really makes a lot of sense. I think there's some interesting moments, but yeah, and then you know, there's of course you know I feel like Jody got a fu- good final moment, which you know is important for <laughs> the regeneration. Um, I just feel like this run has been incredibly unmemorable. Mm-hmm. Can you like remember any important moment from the last three seasons? There's there's a couple episodes that I'd say were good ever. I feel like the one that if I was to the if you were to be like, what was the best episode? The one that weirdly jumps my mind is the one where they covered the whole um the split between like the, the civil parishion? war in yeah the parishion that. That episode was I, it's crazy I feel that, good. You know, it was it was a good episode, and then Ms. Marvel came along. <laughs> yeah, did it, yeah, but I feel like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, that's it. Just says <laughs> I, know, I can't, It just I, says a lot. I can't really remember much else. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So of course, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that at the end of the episode, she regenerates into David. No, Tennant. It's all over the news. It's, 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 it's all over the internet. Everywhere. Uh, which is shocking because, you know, shooting Gatwa is meant to be the next doctor. So, um, mm. crazy. Uh, yeah. Crazy. So there's that. We'll be talking about Doctor Who later. Don't you worry. Uh, last thing Tales of the Jedi, we talked about over on Holocron entries. Uh, of course, this is a series of short film, like 15 minute films, I want to say, off the top of my head, animated, mm. uh, Telling stories about Ahsoka and Count Dooku. Uh, yeah, Dylan, thoughts on that? Um, it was okay. Animation, Return to Clone Wars form uh, is good. Obviously, voice acting is good. There's some really beautiful shots and all these things in there. Lots of really great ideas. I just feel like this show just doesn't need to exist other than two episodes that actually felt like they, they they suited the short form medium, everything else felt like it to do justice to what they were trying to do. It needed way more time um, put into it, and so everything, every other storyline just feels super rushed and just a weird place to choose to do these stories if you're going to try to do them. And I, I personally don't feel like there it was a good place to tell a lot of these 
these stories and ideas that they're trying to do. The, the two episodes that I, as I talk about the thing, it's like the first one and the, I don't know, fifth or something like that. I, don't, um, I think they're what I would say. I want more out of this, just actual things that are either complementary to stories you've already seen or things that do just stand alone on their own. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Uh, yeah, it was okay. You know, it just felt like Star Wars content for the sake of Star Wars content a little, a little bit. Um, I mean, there's some interesting stories, especially for people who wouldn't necessarily have read um, more of the books and that kind of stuff that some of this stuff may have been covered in. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was nice to see those characters. Uh, I've read, like, this is the first time they've kind of updated some of those models, uh, especially around the from the Clone War, from the yeah, from the Clone War series to what they're currently more doing, like with the final season of the Clone Wars. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I mean, it was a good time. All right, let's talk about stuff we haven't talked about elsewhere. Uh, I saw The Woman Kings. This is the latest film from Gina Price Bathwood, uh, following a the all female warrior unit called the Agoye, uh, who were in the West African Kingdom of Dahomey in the 17th to 19th century. So it takes place in sometime in the 1820s. Uh, of course, the film starring Viola Davis. She plays the main general of this uh, army of women. Uh, it also stars uh, Thusu Bebdu, uh, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atom, and John Boyega. Uh Just a yeah, fantastic movie. It feels... Uh, is a very classic story, I guess, kind of, with, like, but told with, obviously, a female army. Like, uh, Thusu plays uh, a young girl called Nawi who gets, uh, who doesn't want to get married to anybody, uh, so gets given to the king, who put, is then, he's, she's then placed into the unit, uh, the army, and has to kind of prove herself as a soldier to be, you know, given full-blown membership into the sisterhood. Um also got the story of like Viola Davis's general uh, and kind of dealing with like uh, a rival kingdom who was you know who are capturing their their residents and selling them as slaves and that kind of stuff yeah I really enjoyed it it's a fantastic time it feels like a real historic epic uh, film uh, Viola Davis looks amazing and is just amazing across the board like she's you know, we what we all know Viola Davis is going to be fantastic, but like she looks amazing in this. Like for a woman of her age, like to be ripped like this is crazy. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm yeah, it's like it's just impressive. You know, you know, you see her as as Amanda Waller, and she's just kind of standing there in a business suit. And this she just looks like she could take out the Suicide Squad. So I mean, you know, very impressive. But uh, I think. Thusu, who, uh, who starred in The Underground Railroad, I think she's fantastic. I think she's going to be the breakout star of this movie. Um, who She gets a full, you know, obviously it's a coming-of-age kind of story for her um, and, like, becoming this great warrior and that kind of stuff. Lashana Lynch, she's fantastic in this as well. She's, like, she's kicks ass. She's super funny. Um, if they haven't already floated the idea of doing her 007, like, spit-off series, they'd be crazy not to after this in my opinion like some franchise should just took their bandwagon to her she is she's got star power all about her um 
yeah, John Berger, she's super fun. She's doing, he is doing, it feels a little bit like he's a bit over the top. Like he's doing a full, um, coming to America. Like how, mu- how much is he in it? I like, would say he's probably got like 10, 15 minutes screen time. Max. Yeah. I was thinking he would like, he's, he's in the trailer. He plays the king, I've seen him a million times you know, it. he's there. He talks to a few yeah. people and that kind of stuff. Uh, but he's, he's fun when he's on there. There's like a whole, yeah whole element to the royalty system and like that he wants to he's only he's a young king who's only just come into power uh Viola Davis's general kind of helped him become king uh and he kind of wants to get their country out of the slave business the slave trade even though that is kind of the biggest moneymaker element of this um interestingly obviously you've there's like non-African people in this movie, but they specifically state they're from uh, Brazil. <laughs> like, they don't specifically go, oh, it's a bunch of Europeans. Like, that's, I think, is an interesting <laughs> decision. Um, but yeah, I have I really enjoyed it, and I definitely recommend everybody go out and check out The Woman King uh, in cinemas now. Uh, I also went and saw Bros. So this is the latest film by Nicholas Stoller, but it's written by Nicholas Stoller and uh, Billy Eichner, who people obviously know from Billy on the Street and a bunch of other projects. Uh, be uh, much the s- similar format to a lot of these Judd Apatow films, where they like give a uh, a big, you know, uh, comedic star a platform to like write and direct like and star in their own movie obviously Judd Apatow did the same thing for like uh Amy Schumer with Trainwreck with uh Seth Rogen Seth, well yeah Seth Rogen with I guess um Knocked Up Knocked Up uh who was the the in Adam Sandler Kumail Nujani with <laughs> no, like <I'm> <laughs> uh <laughs> what's that great movie uh, the, big sick. Movie, <laughs> the big sick, the big sick, you know that kind of stuff. Like, um, yeah, so that it's similar kind of thing. Obviously, it is a um, romantic comedy about uh, two gay men. One who's uh, played by Billy Eichner, who hosts a podcast called The Eleventh Brick of Stonewall. Uh, very prides himself on being single, uh, and has just started as a position as a curator for a n- newly uh, opening national LGBTQ museum of history. Um, the other guy played by, uh, Luke McFarlane, uh, it's called Aaron. He's just like a much more reserved guy, but you know, loves, is very attractive. Um, but has like a boring office job that, you know, he doesn't particularly like, uh, these two don't like connect straight off, but you know, they come to start dating each other and that kind of stuff. Very, it's kind of a classic story, but obviously with this LGBTQ twist, um, lots of funny jokes, uh, and just weird, wacky moments that, you know, may, I don't know if it's the norm for gay people, but you know, good for them, I guess, if it is, um, yeah. Gays are cra- crazy, you know, they, they, they speak such different languages. There's just a lot of, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I, I really, it is a good time. There's a lot of fun, a lot of heart. Um, yeah. Billy Arctor's fantastic. Cross the board. Um, I would say the only, like, she he has, I don't know if it's his sister or his best friend, like, is introduced at some point. Uh, like, 
as part of, no i think it's his best friend that like is a straight woman with you know is the dude in the trailer who has kids y- no it's the woman the woman she's oh the woman the woman's the best friend, the best friend. she okay, kind right, of just yeah. disappears for like half the movie like like for like maybe maybe 80% of the movie she just like is not there it's just like it's kind of weird that she's this important person that she he goes to and he's barely in it at all but um that was my only real critique i think you know it's enjoyable uh i would say probably an uncomfortable movie to go see with your parents uh there is a lot of sex scenes and that kind of stuff so that would be my is it because of sex scenes or because it's gay sex scenes? no just get sex scenes in general i think you know they're pretty uh are you okay with going to see gay any sex scenes with your parents I'd love to take my dad to this just to make him super uncomfortable. <laughs> it's it's just two two bros, you know, two brothers. Let's talk. Let's go see it, Dad. Let's go see it, Dad. It's got bros. It's about it's about real men, you know. <laughs> men. Sit up. Let's sit up the cinema. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah. It's an interesting one that kind of gives you a glimpse into like uh, a lot of the issues that I assume gay men kind of have to deal with of like. Feeling attractive and, like, the whole, like, working out aspects of, to a certain segment of the gay community and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Really enjoyable film. Worth checking out. Worth supporting. Uh, so, that's in cinemas now as well as The Women King. So, you know, great double feature. Maybe. <laughs> Alright. So, I also went to uh, a screening as part of the British Film Festival last night. I went to see... Biff, they call it. The kids call it, I no, think. It's, no, this is different. Oh. Yeah, so the, at the moment, British. there's currently a Brisbane International Film Festival Oof. at the moment. Across the country, <sighs> the British Film Festival is plenty, currently running. Right. Yeah, everywhere right. except right. Tasmania. I checked. There's like, I was like, oh, is there, maybe there's like screenings in Hobart. No. I'm sorry. It's rough. Uh, yeah, so I checked it. Yeah. Britain didn't happen down here. <laughs> yeah. Britain didn't. Britain, British people never came to Tassie. There's no British people over here. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, though, I don't know if. Uh, so I was, I went to see the Banshees of Inchirin, uh, the latest film from Martin McDonough. Let me tell you, there, uh, it was weird that I, I was one of the like the youngest people in that audience. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it definitely skewed older. Uh, I don't know if that was the case because obviously the film is also showing as part of the Brisbane International Film Festival whether that's the same over there or whether it was just a location thing like the cinema that I was of the two locations like all the all the people went to this one how many people were in there? Uh, I would say at least 120 in my cinema and they sold another Fucking cinema hell. out so yeah uh, so yes this is stars uh Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in their first role together since In Bruges, uh, a film that we're going to talk about. Ooh, yes. We're going to do a spoiler cast later in the year. Uh, so Colin Farrell plays Podrick, a just a general Irish farmer. Uh, it's set in 1920s uh, during the Irish Civil War, but they're on the island of insurance which is separate from ireland so they're kind of separate from the war uh but this is kind of always on a thing that's going on in the background he's best friends with colm played by uh brendan gleason but one day colm decides hey i don't want to hang out with you anymore 
and thus the movie ensues. <laughs> of yeah, so what, what what we talked about when we talked about trail art, that is yeah, that's pretty much that's the, the instigating moment of the movie, and then it goes okay. from there. Um, cool. It's uh, it is a bit of a. This isn't going to be for everybody. It's not a massive crowd pleaser by any regards. Uh, it's definitely slow and quiet and like. Um, it really there's there's not a clear message to the movie I don't think um, but it is kind of exploring the idea of friendships and like what what we're doing with our time and like the importance of being nice and uh, the general just it's generally a story of that happens because men don't go to therapy you know that kind of stuff <laughs> um I found I, it was a joy, enjoyable time. It is very funny at times. A great humorous line throughout. Colin Farrell is fantastic. Brendan Gleeson is fantastic. Kerry Condon plays uh, Colin Farrell's sister in the film, and then uh, also Barry Keen shows up as like this uh, like he's the son of the local policeman, but you know he's a bit dim witted and uh, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's a great time no, as well. No, I don't know. Yeah, so I had a great time. I recommend seeing it. Obviously, it is not coming out in Australia until Boxing Day in wide release. So it's a bit of a hard one to say go see right now. But if you can, if you can see it somehow, go see it. You know, if you're in America, I believe it's coming out there. Or if you're listening to us internationally, maybe you'll be able to watch it early somewhere. Yeah, this is a good one. Look forward to it. I'm excited to watch In Bruges again. It's like, tries to compare, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to watch In Bruges again, too. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Dylan, you checked out Smile in cinemas, right? Yes. So you had the um, choice the to go movie. see Bros or Smile, and you chose Smile. I chose to watch Smile because, look, I haven't been to the cinema much in, like, the last six to eight weeks or whatever it was because... Cinema day is usually uh, Thursday or Wednesday. However, both of those days, we've currently been having to record Spoilercast. Yeah, Wednesday because, we're yeah. recording Andor. Because Marvel, Thursday Disney Plus She-Hulk. decided She-Hulk should be released on a Thursday. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Great yeah. show. So go check it out. Finally, finally got a chance to sort of try and try and catch up and i was thinking like there's still i can watch bros but i was afraid because I'd, I'd been wanting to watch smile for a while obviously mm. and it's been in the cinemas for a few weeks so i nearly went and watched bros but like, then i was like ah, nah, fuck it. like week. i was like yeah i don't because i feel like if i'd said that to smile i bet you like something disappears like next week or something but um because smiles in cinemas at pax so yes. it's been around for a while Anyway, uh, Smile for the people who don't know it has like one of the best marketing campaigns of the year because they put all these actors at sports games and had them smile very creepily in the background of shots <laughs> and stuff like that, which I thought was which was pretty smart. Paramount did a good job of that. Uh, the setup for the movie is, I guess, it's similar to like It Follows or something because it's like a, um, I feel like so the whole movie is sort of like an analogy for, I guess, like depression, like mental health, sickness, that sort of stuff, and like sort of how it can be passed between people um well at least that's how i took it which is i guess similar to it follows being about like a it's like a std but it's a monster that's following people and they pass it through sex um this is so the movie starts you have this doctor like a psychiatrist or whatever she works at a, a hospital 
Um, and the patient comes in and she's talking to her and she's like talking about how she's seeing things and whatever else. And then the woman like just suddenly freaks the hell out. She's seeing something in the room. Um, there's nothing there, of course, or at least that we can see. And she's freaking out, losing mind, like, oh, stay away from me and all this sort of stuff. And then next second, uh, as the doctor goes to call for help, she turns around and the woman's just standing there, like, smiling, big smile at her. And then she's like, picks up a piece of a broken vase and just cuts a, a big smiley face into her neck and kills herself. Um, so then, after that, the doctor, psychiatrist, of course, she's mentally, you know, distraught because she just witnessed someone, a, a new patient, uh, kill herself in front of her, which is enough as it is, but she starts seeing the same sort of stuff that the woman was talking about. So people off in a distance, just creepily smiling, um, just, just walking past. You see that moment in the trailer where she like walks past, she goes into work next day, tries to go back to work, and then she walks past the door and there's one of the patients is just sitting there creepily smiling at her too. So she starts seeing all this, these things happening. And so she tries to start working out. And what she realizes is that tracking it backwards, it's, it's, it is something that just seems to be passed between people. Um, each one lasting a maximum of like a, a week after. So it's like, she can find all these cases of people who kill themselves. But prior to that, a week before they were a witness to someone else killing themselves. So it's like this continuous sort of thing. Um, I thought it was very good. I uh, not not like best horror movie of the year sort of thing, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. A few good um jump scares and build up of tension. What's a really interesting shot? So I think the way it was shot and put together is really well. Um makes it sort of stand out, use of the camera and stuff like that. Um some of the I guess effects and the gore sort of stuff is looks quite good at times too. Um at one stage I heard someone squeal from the upside the cinema. <laughs> so jump scare got them quite good. That was that's always fun and a good part of watching horror movies in cinema is you get to hear other people lose it at jump scare. So um, this was one of those. So yeah, I, I I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was it was. I think I gave it like a seven. I'll probably give it over a seven or seven point five on track sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you also watched VHS ninety nine, which apparently is the biggest Shutter debut of all time. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so last level episode I talked about how I finally watched 94 because 1999 was coming out. So watch this. This this one's sort of, this one's a little bit different because so all these other VHS movies, they all have a plot that connects all the short films, like some weird reason why people are watching these tapes mm. or something. They're just sort of a background thing. This one has none of that. It literally just sort of bounces between these stories. It's like uh, a um, over time. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Like, um, but the, was anybody really caring about this? It's yeah, like the, the the future the future stuff in Assassin's Creed, right? It's like let's I just guess, get rid I, of this. Nobody cares. About <laughs> there's it. like some people. There's some people who care about that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, the the cool thing about this one is because of the '99 thing. There's like there is like a the way that the tapes are put together and everything else. It's got, uh, and the music and stuff. It's very like late nineties and stuff like that. There's even, uh, sort of footage from music videos and MTV sort of stuff. That'll just flick up flicker on the screen, sort of between some of the, um, the shorts or whatever you want to call them, like the episodes, the, the, the films, uh, including like several times I'd spot footage from the CKY films. Um, like shout outs to, I think it was mostly Ryan Dunn actually seen on screen, like taking a shopping trolley off the side of somewhere. But um, 
yeah, there's a really cool story. There's a few really cool stories in here. There's one where Stephen Ogg, um, shout outs. Most people know him, of course, from Grand Theft Auto, uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. It's like this one where there's really fucked up children's game where um, it's like a he's like the host of it, and then they um, this girl is like trying to win it, and it's like you got to run for this you know obstacle course. Like it's Nickelodeon sort of shit, like slime and whatever else. But she, as she's like coming out of this tunnel and she's in first, the kid behind who's like trying so hard to win and be a, a sore loser, like pushes her and like she snaps her fucking leg and like all this sort of stuff. So then the pet, the parents um, want to re- revenge and like kidnap him and stuff like that. So <laughs> that's quite entertaining, especially for um, watching Stephen Og, Og in that um, in that one. Um, and shit goes wild. The, what, the last story is um, done by the t- the team of. Um, uh, I remember the dude's name. I can't remember the woman's name, but Joseph Winters and um, his wife, who did that film I talked about a couple weeks ago, the found footage one where he's like a, a streamer and everything like that. So it's mm. those those two. Um, I'm having a lot of luck with these two. That I'm going to be keeping my eye on them because I I like their short they did for this, and I very much like that film. So, uh, but this one it's like it's these two people like uh, recording a. They're going to do like an exorcism or like call upon a devil or some shit like that. And they suddenly get transported to, um, to hell. And similar to that movie, which I'm, I can't fucking remember the name of either, like streamer or whatever the hell it was called. Um, that similar to that, this horror story, this, this short, Joseph, Vanessa, there it is. I found it. Vanessa and Joseph Winter. Deadstream. Um, similar, Deadstream, that's it. Yeah. So similar to that movie, this, their short in this has a very similar vibe of it's, it's silly. But it's supposed to be scary at the same time. Like, it's hitting that comedy horror vibe, which I'm, I think they're doing very, very well because that these two dudes just end up in hell and, you know, there's monsters everywhere. There's, like, a giant bean in the back and it's supposed to be the devil. But they're still, like, bickering and going back at one another and, like, arguing about things, which is quite funny to watch. Um, and then they, again, much like Deadstream, they have all the, like, monsters and stuff that show up in hell. You get, They're actually, like good creature special effects and stuff like that instead of just going straight for special effects but i really appreciate that and I, I i like the way the the monsters and stuff look so i overall i enjoyed this one definitely a lot more than 94 um i think this is better than the previous one which is interesting because apparently this one was rushed into production after <laughs> after the success the numbers that shutter got on 94 so uh but yeah i liked it it was good interesting do you reckon and they're doing another one they already announced they're doing another one so. yeah what do you know what it's going to be called uh, I, they're going backwards now. Well, that has uh, to because you know they're about to hit DVD period. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, like they're switch over space, to- so. Yeah, I think they're going back to 80s. It's like 85 or 84 or something like that. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really fucking matter. Like the the movie started as literally VHS, VHS to VHS viral, and then they went to the 94, 99. So it's, it's whatever. I mean, it's just so an anthology series. It doesn't really. There you go. If yeah. there's it's so, going to be a, a spinoff series, called Kids vs Aliens. I have no idea. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's from a feature-length adaptation of the Slumber Party Alien Abduction segment of VHS Two. All right, yeah, sure. That's that's that is a good that is a good uh, short. So if they adapt that to a full thing, I think that's a good idea. That's a fun that's a fun story. It's literally these like kids are having a um, a slumber party, and I think one of them's like it's like the girls are having a slumber party, and they've got like a, a or, and there's the younger brothers there of his friends or something. So it starts out very like typical teen sort of like oh my younger brother or you know shit like that and then next second like the lights go out and the alien monster shows up and they're running around and yeah no i it's i enjoyed it as a short so i think it does work as a feature sure 
I'm down. Didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. So that just played uh, Fantastic Fest back in September. So. Uh, oh, I've already done it. Fuck come into Shutter early 2023. So there you go. Cool. Breaking news. Cool. I'm down. Uh, really? All right, you've been watching. You've watched the first like six episodes of the new Prime video series, uh, The Peripheral, yep. starring Chloe Moretz. Yeah, um, I was hoping to have a review up, but then I got fucking got a war. So that's there you go. <laughs> the story of my life for a lot of things this past week. But um, I, I'm enjoying it. So I've watched six out of the eight. I think there's only two episodes that I haven't seen. Um, I, I I quite enjoy it. I think the so the setup for this one is. So it's set like in the near future where, you know, it's like there's tech, tech's a little bit better, but not too much better. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of realistic for what's yeah. happening. Um, and Chloe Grace Moretz sort of looks after her mother who's got a disease. I can't remember if they ever say like, anyway, she's got a disease. She's dying basically. Um, and her brother sort of lives out in a, um, a caravan like outside the house and stuff like that and he was like ex-army or something but they did uh experiments or like did a certain he did like a certain thing where he's got like all these you can see stuff in his back and you're supposed to like what the fuck is that you're not really supposed to know but also he plays a lot of vr games and he gets to test a lot of vr games because of his training from the army or some shit like that uh anyway claire grace from moretz her character is actually a lot better at this stuff than he is even though she's just like the younger sister and stuff um and one day they get sent this new thing and he's like hey i got sent this thing and they offered me a lot of money to test this game and she's like yep cool story so she jumped into it and she's playing it uh and she thinks it's all a game uh but what it turns out to be is actually the future so when she puts on the headset they're actually she's like controlling a body like a robot body um in I don't know, like 50 years, I can't remember, like something like, say it's like 50 years into the future sort of thing. Um, and from there, they sort of have to, once that's figured out, of course, it's like, well, what the fuck? Why the fuck? Where did this come from? Not to mention then people start wanting to kill them like in the present day because of what they're doing. So yeah, it's lots of uh, mystery box sort of things happening and trying to work out between two timelines and uh, whatever else is going on. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the, I'm definitely enjoying this, the first six episodes uh, so far, I really I'm enjoying Chloe Grace Moritz in this. Although at first, the first episode, she's doing like a southern accent, and at first I was like, oh, don't know about this, but I I gave it that. By the end of the first episode, I I, I sort of forgot <laughs> like it was bothering me. But hearing her at the first, like, hey bro, you know, I kind of do. I was like, hey brother, why do you that sort of thing? I was like, oh, this is sort of weird, but um, but yeah, most of the characters I I really really enjoy in the the lots of the the way it sort of like shifts between the parallels of the near future where you can sort of understand like what's happening in this very small town that seems to be you know run by this uh drug kingpin sort of thing and it, it doesn't seem too far from our uh where we are in the present day now and then you've got this when it, they when they're 50 years in the future or whatever like the actual that stuff is very much like you know some shit's gone down in a world and you're trying to figure out what it is and um, there's lots of questions about it, but there's lots of really like that's the more futuristic looking setting and where all that sort of stuff is happening. So yeah, I like it. It's based on a book. Um, I think there's like even a prequel or a sequel book or something like that. So yeah. all right, uh, yeah, by uh, William Gibson, who probably you know obviously yep cyberpunk dude. <laughs> uh, yep. So yeah, so the first three episodes are now available on Prime Video. Uh, you also checked out the first episode of The Devil's Hour, 
the latest film, uh, the latest series starring Peter Capaldi. It's like Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Peter. Right? I don't know. Is he? I don't know. I, know. I, I just saw a press photo either. of them um, together. So, yeah. Fuck if I know. Um, he's not. He's barely even in. He, he only. I don't know how much this was, but I'd, Stephen Moffat, executive yeah, producer. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, he's only in it like that's the thing. But like Peter Capaldi's like all over the the trailer and the poster and shit like that. Mm. I think Peter Capaldi's probably got like five minutes of screen time in the first episode. So and I haven't got to watch it the second episode yet. But um, it's it's first episode. I'm really intrigued. I'm definitely want to go back and watch more. It is serial killer British serial killer mystery mixed with the possibility of some supernatural shit going down because. What's happening is you've—I can't remember the actress name or anything—but the main character, she's like a um, Jessica Rain plays Lucy J. Chambers. Yeah, she's like a—I um, don't know, like support worker or like whatever. Like she worker. sort of helps. Yeah, like a social worker sort of type of character. Yeah, so she's like looking out out for people, like women who'd be domestically abused or mm. kids in trouble, that sort of thing. Um, but then there's a murder case that's happening at the same time. So the first episode is like a lot of just like introducing characters and plot threads and stuff. And you know, it's all going to come together eventually and presumably in the second episode. But so she's dealing with this stuff, you know, there's like, and you get introduced to her. She also has a kid who's being like, he's got something going on because he doesn't really talk. He's a bit odd, which is fine. You know, like who knows like what he like, just what's going on there. But it's a weird part where he's waking up and she's waking up and the reason it's called the devil's hour is because they're waking up at like 3.33 in the morning which apparently is the devil's hour and they're just like she's seeing weird shit like ghostly sorts of things and like hearing things or whatever else and it's like well is this in her head isn't it in her head I don't know meanwhile there's actually just a straight up murder happening and you're introduced to these uh, sort of cops one of which who's a, a new a, like you can tell he's a good detective but he's also really hates blood and stuff so like he's you know walking into a crime scene and then going outside and trying not to throw up anywhere and then his partner's being like you sure this is what you want like why'd you pick this job and doing the whole like he likes helping people sort of thing but Mm. really can't it's like (laughs) really awkward because he doesn't like blood and stuff like that um so yeah it's like all these elements sort of coming together and then meanwhile you've got peter capaldi's character which is uh like basically i guess Ampsy hopkins in silence of the lambs where he eventually is uh, says that he'll only speak to her and then that's how they start getting connected and all these plot threads are slowly starting to come together by the end of the first episode so yeah I'm 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 keen to watch uh keen to watch the rest of it for sure I, I like that was set up but yeah if you go into that first episode just be prepared you're going to have a lot of different like characters and plot threads thrown at you and just know it's going to slowly start tangling itself together all right, so the Devil Out, Devil's Hour is currently all completely the entire season is streaming on Prime Video. Uh right. You also checked out the movie Sissy. Yeah, so this is a Australian movie. Um, I think it's coming to cinemas soon. I think like early November. Uh, what does third of November? So there you just go. coming yeah. so week. You- there you go. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. So the the setup for this one is you've got this, um, you've got Cecilia slash Sissy, um, who's played by Aisha D. 
Um, and she sort of gets, she's out and about, well, she's an influencer, I guess, is other thing. So this, this, this is a movie that deals a lot with like influencer and like obsession with social media and all these sorts of, um, things like mental health and whatever else. But, uh, it's, she's an influencer, like a proper one. Like she's got hundreds of followers, thousands of followers or whatever, like decent, like that's her job. She's a straight up influencer. Um, she goes and she used to have a best friend called, uh, Emma in, uh, primary school or whatever. And they long since haven't spoken for ages. Anyway, she's out at the start of the movie at a supermarket and she bumps into Emma. And they're like, oh my God, I haven't talked for ages, blah, blah, blah. Used to be best friends, like BFFs for life sort of thing. She's about to get married. So she's like, hey, you should come to my um, hen's party or whatever, which at first uh, Cecilia is like, that's, you know, she's thinking maybe not, like we haven't spoken for years. Anyway, she she's like, no, no, come, come. And um, she agrees to come. Now, the reason she was a little bit possibly like anti about not coming and she thought she was going to be fine is because she knows that Emma has long been friends with Alex, who was a girl what bullied Cecilia in private school. Uh, but she thought she was going to be there. Turns out, car trip down. They're all cool, you know, talking in the car. Happy, happy, happy. They get there. Shit, Alex is there. Uh, and from that moment on, things just sort of take a, a turn as pretty much everything that could go wrong uh, proceeds to go wrong uh, as characters start arguing with one another and whatever else. But um, it is a, at times, dark comedy, I guess. Uh, other times, just straight up <laughs> some uh, interesting kills that happen in this. But I uh, I quite enjoyed it. I feel like it's it wears its, I guess, social commentary very much on its sleeve. Like, you don't have to guess what the, the point of the movie is. Like, it's very much about social media and <laughs> the, how we obsess over it. And, or, and also how people can lie. Like, people can appear on a video and pr- constantly present their best selves, constantly present how happy and like great their life is and whatever else. And then the second they get done recording a video, they're just like having the worst day ever or, you know, like they're not actually happy and <clears throat> all these sorts of things. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I would suggest watching it. Like, um, especially support the, you know, Australian film. So good, good one. All right. I think it was all filmed in Canberra too. So shout out. Shout outs to Canberra. <laughs> all right uh you watched another australian film but let's talk about that in the mandatory netflix segment mm. of the show uh so you checked out the latest joel edgerton film the stranger yeah uh i really like this as well so this is a true story so this is another one of those movies where i when i was googling it after i watched it to like just look up because i didn't know much about the the, the real story and then I already seen like all these people, like the the family calling for this movie not to happen, all this sort of stuff. So, because it's based on um, true story mm. about I don't know if they use his real name here. The Sean Harris's character's list is Henry Teague. I don't know if that's the real guy's name. Is it? Mm. I don't think so. Uh, don't know. Anyway, what is like it's based on this real Australian police case where they try to they're trying that this dude is trying to get captured for something and i i, I don't want to say too much more because i didn't know fuck all about it i literally clicked play i never watched the trailer <laughs> like yeah. so i and because of that i think maybe that's part of the reason i enjoyed it as much as i did because the knowing absolutely fucking nothing about this the trailer explains a lot more than i <laughs> would have thought by reading the blurb or anything because the synopsis is literally two men who meet on a plane strike up a conversation that turns into friendship for henry teague worn down by a lifetime of physical labor and crime this is dream come true um 
very nothing synopsis, but I was like, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris, Australian film. Let's go. <laughs> I just click play, you know, like I don't need to watch the trailer. Um, so I don't want to say too much more. And I would advise no one to watch the trailer actually, because I think the trailer gives away too much. Um, and don't read up about the real case. And I'm not going to say too much about the case. Yeah, it's, it, but the names have been changed from the look of it. Yeah. But yeah. It, so I'll let- it's based on the nonfiction book, The Sting, The Undercover Operation, that caught Daniel Malcolm's killer. Uh, so inspired a little yeah. bit by the investigation of Daniel Malcolm. So the real, the the yeah, the family didn't want the movie to happen. All this, stuff. I'll, I'll say on that front, I feel like there's nothing in here that uh, like glamorizes the case or anything like that. And in fact, the ki- the the that kid, um, Daniel Malcolm, uh, is that no, that's never seen on screen. Like it, it solely focuses on the these other characters like it doesn't it's mentioned and whatever else sure but it's like they never you never see what's happening so i i my two cents is people, again i we go over this conversation all the time when it comes to like crime things or whatever mm-hmm. else and i think it totally depends case by case it, like how it's done and if it's done well and whatever else but do i think people should make movies about like criminal activity like you know like serial killers and stuff like that i the answer is in general, yes, but there are ones where I feel like they're bad, but this is one of them. Uh, Joel Edgerton is fantastic in this, but it's Sean Harris. Sean Harris gives a fucking mesmerizing performance. Like he is, like he's in generally very good in nearly everything he's in, but I feel, I feel like this may be one of the best things he's um, ever done. And Joel Edgerton is just really good as well. And I, I love seeing him when he does these sort of this. I mean, this is what I, this is what I like Joel Edgerton. I, I like Joel Edgerton in these graph sort of roles for him these are my sort of these are my favorites for him so um yeah i won't say too much all i'll say is just watch it it's really good it's a it's a slow burn don't expect much it's a, it's a character piece but i i feel like it's definitely worth it i've enjoyed it quite a lot all right uh i watched uh wendell and wilds this is the latest film but from henry selick obviously it's a stop stop motion animated film uh about yeah, there's a lot in this. There's a young girl named Kat whose parents uh, die in a car accident that she believes like she's responsible for, so she's kind of holding all this uh, angst about her. She's been kind of moved from foster family to foster place, uh, kind of a bit of a juvenile delinquent, uh, and uh, finally comes back to her hometown. Um, meanwhile, there's these two uh, demons in the underworld called Wendell and Wild, who are, you know, are under the foot of their father, uh, Buffalo Belzer, who uh, tortured souls on a giant ferry. He's a he's a giant demon to the extent where they sleep inside his nose. So for scale, <laughs> you know, uh, he has like a fairground on his stomach that uh, encloses, in, like has a bunch of tortured souls inside. So he's torturing them in this fairground. Uh, but Wendell and Wild, they want to create their own fairground. Uh, so Cat uh, becomes a hell maiden or was always a hell maiden. Um, and they're able to use her to summon themselves to, into the real world, the world of living. Uh, and they set about getting the money to build up their fairground. Uh there's a plot line about, you know, people who want to build a prison. Uh, there's a dead priest who wants to uh, get money for his school. There's a whole bunch of different crazy plot lines all going on at the same time. I, it feels, in my opinion, a bit overstuffed. Uh, there's a lot 
a lot going on and none of it is really explored that deeply. It just, it, the movie moves at a very quick pace. Um, it's fun, very interestingly well animated. I mean, it's, it doesn't look like, obviously you think Henry Selick, you think Coraline, or you think uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, it doesn't look exactly like either of those, uh, but it, it has its own very unique look to it. So uh, that's interesting. Um, really solid performances across the board. Uh, there is a moment where a demon, the the giant uh, father, Bel- Belzar demon, comes out of the ground. Would you believe they start playing cult of personality? <laughs> It is so funny. I'm looking forward. Hopefully someone edits, you know, their reactions, you know, replace him with CM Punk. I think it would be very funny. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. it Yeah. It's an interesting film. It wasn't... I, I didn't think it was fantastic, but, you know, it might work for some others. So, yeah. That is Wendell Wild currently streaming on Netflix. And that is everything I watched this tree. Let's move into some film news. Uh, there's probably like three massive stories. Which one, which one captures your interest the most, Dylan? Out of? Which do you think? The Witcher? Yeah. Don't know. So The Witcher, Doctor Who, or That's DC? all that's in my... Mi- oh, just do The Witcher, because that's the most... All right, so... This morning, we all woke up to the news uh, that Henry Cavill will not be returning as The Witcher in Season 4. Of course, Season 3 coming out probably next year. It's not confirmed. Wait, next year. Apparently, Blood and Elves or whatever comes before it. Yeah, it's meant to be this Boxing Day, I want to say, off the top of my head. I feel like it's soon. So that'll... Yeah, so then, like, mid-2023, maybe, for Season 3? Yes. So, this is the press release from Netflix. Uh, Breaking news from the continent. While Witcher 3 hasn't debuted yet, it has already been renewed for a full season but there's a change coming. In season four, Liam Hemsworth will step into the titular monster hunter Geralt of Riviera. Uh, the role Henry Cavill originated in the first three seasons. The two actors shared the exciting news on social media Saturday afternoon. My journey as Geralt of Riviera has been filled with both monsters and adventures, and alas, it will be laying down. I will be laying down my medallion and my swords for season four, said Cavill in a statement. In my steed, the fantastic Mr. Liam Hemsworth will be taking up the mantle of the White Wolf. As with the greatest of literary characters, I pass the torch with reverence for the time spent embodying Geralt and enthusiasm to see Liam's take on this most fascinating and nuanced of men. Liam, good sir, this character has such wonderful depth to him. Enjoy diving in and seeing what he can find. Hensworth is thrilled about this new adventure. As a Witcher fan, I'm over the moon about the opportunity to play Geralt of Rivia. He said a statement, Henry Cavill has been an incredible Geralt, and I'm honoured that he's handing me the reins, and I'm allowing me to take up the wolf bla- White Wolf's blades for the next chapter of his adventure. Henry, I've been a big fan of yours for years, and it was inspired by what you brought to this beloved character. I may have some big boots to fill, but I'm truly excited to be stepping into the Witcher world. Needless to say, fans were not happy (laughs) with this news. Uh, The general take being that, you know, a lot of the anger seemed to be placed on the writers of the show. Um, Speculation that, uh, of course, he's returning to play Superman and his scheduling just doesn't line up anymore. Uh, what was your reaction to the news that Henry Cavill's stepping away? 
Um, I checked it wasn't a parody account or some <laughs> fake thing because it just seemed so random and not like a thing that would happen considering how passionate Cavill has spoke about as the Witcher as a franchise and um, and like sort of being one of his dream roles and all these sorts of things. So it seemed really, really weird. Um, we don't really 100% know. There's no solid information as to why. The two biggest things that do make sense is a... Superman and maybe that just requires too much work for or maybe he just doesn't want to play two massive roles, which I guess is fair. Like, you know, that's it's one thing to be like two roles that require a lot of work and time or whatever else, sure. The other theory or the other two theories, I guess, is there's another one going around that apparently the writers are deviating from the source material and Henry Cavill doesn't like that, so he, he wants out or something like that. That was mm-hmm. the one I saw. Yeah. Um and then the third one is just simply, and the one I actually think makes the most sense, is that him returning Superman is going to require a lot of work and the scheduling just doesn't it's work out. It's going to require a certain amount them. of body transformation. Yeah, and all these sorts of things. So um, it is disappointing. I've, of course, really liked The Witcher and I think he's fantastic in that role. One thing I will say, though, is there's a lot of revisionist history here because everyone, when he was announced to play Geralt, thought it was terrible, and the internet was saying it was going to be the worst thing ever, and they were like, the guy who plays Superman, he can't act, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, now everyone's his biggest fan, and this like they love him, you know? Like, well, he's oh, proven he we, can. We're always on his That's side. the difference. Yeah, well, I know, but it's just like <laughs> such, it's so annoying when people are like, yep. they go from one thing to the other. So... Yeah, I am. I am very. I'm very disappointed. Um, it is, you know, sort of sad because I think, yeah, I really, I, I think he's great in that role. Um, but I, I guess I, I'm going to give Liam the same chance that was given to Henry. I, I personally can't picture him as Geralt. I couldn't really picture Henry Cavill as Geralt either. Um, but I was willing to give him the 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 go to see how it worked out and that worked out really well so i i'll we'll see how we go but either way it's it is disappointing yeah it, it was kind of shocking news i feel like uh just the two bits of news together i think uh we didn't even get the the weeks of speculating who could take over the role in that you know they obviously had somebody lined up uh clearly witcher three season three i assume they've finished shooting um, so, you know, gearing up for plans for season four, I'd hopefully we get like a solid send off or like a end to kind of the, a lot of the storylines we've kind of been building up this, uh, these few seasons and it's like a clear break, you know, it's like, this is Henry's era. This is Liam's era. Um, yeah, as a speculation, I've seen, yeah, a lot of people bringing up remarks that Henry Cavill's had about uh, that him not feeling like they're writing Geralt the right way and uh, being true to the books and that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's, you know, his opinion. Of course, the show is a show and you can't exactly pull the books word for word exactly to television. You're also juggling all these other subplots and storylines as well and trying to service these other characters. So it's not going to... Especially for a book that is narrated from the book, com- the, from the point of view of Geralt, it's pretty difficult to like completely bring that across to the screen. Um, that in a lot dialogue part of the story. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd be interested to see, you know, in a, 
Henry Cavill's star has kind of risen dramatically since he started doing the show, even after he was Superman. I feel like um, I'm excited, you know, that he could do some other interesting roles and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know. the the other rumor that I just have to throw out because it is a possibility as well is he got Bond. It's a far, that's the least likely of the reasons why he's dropped out. Uh, because I feel like Superman does would take precedent, but we do, of course we don't have a script, we don't have any director or anything for the next Man of Steel movie or whatever it's going to be called. Um, but you know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's 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 been all the talk of the town today. So yeah, I guess you know we'll all look forward to seeing season three, uh, and then you know. We'll see where the show goes from here. Uh, all right. Speaking of DC, the hu- reading from the Hollywood Reporter, the hierarchy power in the DC universe actually is changing. In a stunning turn of events, filmmaker James Gunn and producer John- Peter Safran have been tapped to lead DC's film, TV, and animation efforts as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios, a newly formed division of Warner Brothers that has re- will replace DC Films. The unprecedented move, in which a top director will assume a top executive post, marks the end of a month-long search for Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Vaslev uh, to replace DC Films boss Walter Hamader, who departed the studio last week. That search had all of Hollywood guessing and playing executive bingo for who would land one of the most coveted and challenging jobs in the town. In recent weeks, Gunn and Safran were spotted on the Warner Brothers lot meeting with Warner Brothers uh, film co-chair Michael DeLuca about future projects, and according to sources, the initial overture to Safran and Gunn came from DeLuca over the summer, even as the studio was in shaky talks with producer Dan Lin to take the job. Uh, Gunn will focus on the creative side of things, while Safran will focus on the business and production side. Both are expected to continue to direct and produce projects, respectively. They will report directly to Vaslav and work closely with Warner Films, Boss DeLuca and Pamela Abdi. Sources say the deal runs four years and Gunn will be exclusive to DC. The goal is for them not to just be producers, but to truly function executives, even as Gunn will occasionally hone a movie. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this news? <laughs> I think that's one thing to get James Gunn in there. That's like wild. But then to get the guy who did Music Jamboree and John Saffron versus God is... No, that's not like that chance. <laughs> What? No, that's uh, what? Peter Safran. Oh, Peter Safran. Right. Oh, sorry. Peter Safran, the um, uh, the <laughs> producer of the Conjuring films. Right. Okay. 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 Well, shout out to John Safran anyway. Um. <laughs> no, it's a. It's a. Yeah. I mean, I woke up and again another piece of news. You wake up in this past week and you see check Twitter in the morning and it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> is this a parody account? You know, like another. Another check there because James Gunn taking over like, well, A, this is like the first positive news we've had out of Warner Discovery since they've since they merged. Thing. Um, <laughs> since they merged. Like, this is the only thing they've done that I'm actually like, well, that, that's, that's actually a, that's a good a decision. Good decision. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know if it's, it's about 10 years too late, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a good decision. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you should have like one or two people in charge and running the entire dc universe films and stuff like that that is an idea it worked out for marvel but for, it seems like for so long they were like we don't need to do that we don't need one mm. person or two people overseeing that's silly that's that's a marvel way of thinking um so yeah it's um 
it's interesting. I don't I don't really know what it means though, ultimately, because like are we continuing the DCU? They've they've talked it back and now it's just the the, the DCU. Oh no, hold on. It's just the DCU now, not the DCEU. So now it's just the DC universe, much like you got the Marvel, DC Cinematic Universe and Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of the DC Extended Universe or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, But then the Batman's going to be a separate universe and, of course, the Joker is going to be a separate universe. Yeah, which is fine. I still think it's totally fine to have movies and just be like, these aren't connected and just trust. I, I feel like 99% of cinema going audience is smart enough to understand when things just aren't connected and whatever else. Just put a logo on the poster like a that designates if it's part of the universe or not. Like, literally just put a DC Universe logo on the poster and be like, hey, this is a, this is a DC Universe film and then mm. make up another logo, like the Black Label or some yeah. shit for the Joker films and whatever else and just do it like you do the comic books and be like, yeah, we're just treating them like comic books now. Just do it that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Black Adam was bad, but I mean, that's apparently what the, like, considering now sort of the, the first of this new wave of the universe or whatever else and you know like we're talking about i don't feel like anyone should really care or whatever else inside of the internet and of course we're talking about a second ago but you know henry cavill coming back as superman he shows up at the end of that film that's like his first time back in the suit and everything like that so he's going to be a big part of the dc universe going forward presumably um it's an interesting time for dc so yeah i I definitely don't feel like it's bad news it's only literally only positive news out of warner discovery in a year yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting news. Obviously, you know, we enjoy James Gunn. He's got his own vision of how to do things and sense of humor and that kind of stuff. So having him as the creative front of this, the the creative side of DC is interesting, especially considering Suicide the Suicide Squad didn't necessarily make a lot of money, um, but, you know, was definitely well regarded uh, within the audience. And obviously, everybody loves Peacemaker, so... Um, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, crazy to think, you know, if he hadn't gotten briefly cancelled, you know, none of this probably would have come to fruition. <laughs> it's like a crazy series of events. Um, See, I saw it when people, when posted, whoever I clicked on, the Hollywood Reporter or whatever, whoever I saw this news, for, news first, in the Twitter comments, the first comment I saw was someone still posting all those tweets from him from years ago and be like, you really want this guy running your... <laughs> running a franchise or whatever else. And someone replied, I was like, fuck's sake, dude, we already did this. (laughs) (laughs) We did this like twice already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Also interesting that, that, you know, the TV and animation branch will all kind of come under the same umbrella as the film branch. So, you know, uh, what that means for like uh, shows like Harley Quinn or like the DC, the Batman Cape Crusader animated show that's, gonna show up somewhere um what that means for the future or other projects like that is it really interesting uh yeah i guess it's just good to know somebody is actually at the wheel you know mm. someone that we kind of tr- the audience as a whole kind of trusts uh to make good decisions uh is also going to be super weird uh when james gunn uh is out promoting <laughs> guardian of the galaxy volume three next year Double thumbs up for the holiday special, by the way. Yep. It's not part of the list, and we're not doing a one-off. <laughs> uh, no, but double thumbs up for great. Podcast, but yes, it's a good trailer. Kevin Bacon, am I right? Uh, mm. So yeah, that's 
exciting news coming out of DC. Some some of the first time. Uh, so we'll get we'll touch on this later in the show again. Uh, and then the other big news: Doctor Who. It's going to be premiering globally on Disney Plus in 2023. In a joint statement, BBC and Disney branded television have announced today that new and upcoming seasons of Doctor Who will debut on both BBC and another unlikely platform, Disney Plus Streaming. Although this partnership excludes the UK and the island, where viewers will be able to watch the series on BBC as always, the rest of the world can look forward to seeing new episodes of Doctor Who hit Disney Plus once the season premieres in late 2023. The announcement was revealed by none other than Shudi Gatwa, the next Doctor as showrunner. Russell T. Davis returns to work on his magic on the series again after first leading his revival back in 2005. In statement, Davis had this to say about the news. I love this show, and this is the best of both worlds. With the vision and the joy of the BBC and Disney Plus together, we can launch the TARDIS all around the planet, reaching a new generation of fans while keeping our traditional home firmly on the BBC in the UK. Uh, interestingly, it's also been revealed in the days since that Disney is co-producing the f- the series, pretty much just giving the show a ton of money. Uh, yeah, Dylan, what do you think of this? <laughs> Hot take, it's the episode for it. I think this is. I actually th- think this is good news. I think it was weird news, and it definitely come out of left field. But I feel like um, I actually think this is good for Doctor Who. Because, as I was saying earlier, the show has had a dwindling last, like, three, four years or whatever else. I feel like it has not picked up barely any, if any, new fans. It would have definitely had people drop off rather than start watching. Um, like, I, I, I doubt those numbers are... It's, it's definitely not in the high as it was through, like, the Tenet Matt Smith era. Um, and I feel like in a world where... Most people aren't, so like kids aren't watching TV most of the time. Mm. They're not watching ABC at home. They're watching streaming services. So I feel like getting it on Disney Plus when they're clicking onto that to watch something or what, flicking between seeing what's on Disney and Netflix or whatever else, that's how most people watch things now. And having Doctor Who there front and center, they're like, oh, cool. Like I feel like it's a, it's a really great way to get the brand new young audience aboard which is the like doctor who's always been a like show at all ages but you know like kids is a is a big part of the the fan base it's made to scare kids not adults sort of thing um so i i actually think it's good and yeah i i don't it it's not a thing where they brought doctor who so i struggle to get like too annoyed about it like it's a partnership not a disney's got another one of the the rings sort of thing like I, i i think it's actually a good partnership um, especially because, like, especially here in Australia, I got I got sick of watching it on fucking ABC iView at terrible bit rates where it looks like shit and it's barely in HD. <laughs> and, not, but, and I'm now thinking, like, cool. So Doctor Who, the next special that comes out next year that I'll be watching, will be in four fucking K. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> well, though, and it says the next it series. They shoot them. They shoot it. They shoot it in four K. They shoot it in 4K. Yeah, they shoot it in digital. They shoot it in 4K. What I'm they say the next series. Not the yeah. next series of specials. No, the specials are kind of surely. We'll see. Either way, whatever. I, they I didn't have Dave the Tenet announced the news. They had Trudy. Yeah, true. Um, that, that's my other thing. I have questions going forward. Like, okay, so they're saying the new series is going to come there as it airs. Cool. But are they going to have any back library to show? 
I don't or think app, so, just because of rights. Uh, maybe yeah. they will get the rights, like, but, you know, I, at the moment, you can watch Doctor Who on nearly every streaming service here in Australia, I want to say. Or at least part of the start of Doctor Who, parts of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, like I said, my initial reaction was, this is pretty good for the show. Uh, You know, adds an extra level of security, adds like, it'll increase production value, that kind of stuff. Uh, It just feels weird that, you know, after 50 something years, uh, this show will be behind a paywall in Australia. Um Just a a little weird. I will read this statement from the ABC. Uh, After a long friendship spanning more than 50 years, the universe has called the Doctor in a different direction, and Doctor Who will no longer appear on the ABC beyond the current season. The BBC today announced a partnership with Disney Plus to continue the series. ABC's audiences can continue to enjoy past seasons of Doctor Who, including the recent centenary special on ABC iView. We are incredibly grateful to the generations of Whovians who have enjoyed Doctor Who with us on the ABC. Everyone at the ABC wishes the Doctor well on their adventures, and we hope the Time Lord will visit again at some stage in the future. Feels like a a bad breakup. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is an element of, like, feeling bad for ABC, because, like, they I wondered how much much lead time did they know, like... Probably barely any, did, or if any just, at all. Yeah, I'd be like, surprised. Sorry, I'm with I'd another be guy. Completely surprised. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so there is an element of feeling bad because yeah, BBC, uh, ABC, like that's where I. So as a kid, I remember watching ABC Doctor Who, the old episodes. Like, um, used to be on TV like after six o'clock or whatever um, at dinner time. So like, I've always associated Doctor Who with ABC and whatever. But as I was saying before, there is just like there's that part of me going, yeah, it feels bad, man. But also the audience, like I just don't feel like ABC, you were helping drawing the audience, that new audience that's needed. And I feel like Disney can do that better. So I'm, I'm picking the, the I'm, picking I'm, the giant, sounds, the picking, giant I'm, I'm picking the conglomerate. Yeah, it's yeah, just I the conglomerate it. like, of I, the I, tiny government-funded TV station. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just I. I like Doctor Who as a franchise, obviously, as an IP. I want it to do well. I don't want it to go away. So I want it. I want. I. I and I want more people to watch it. And I really hope the new series series picks things up. It's sort of like a, a fresh reboot with Russell T Davis coming back. Obviously, um, like he's the guy who rebooted it in two thousand five. Like brought it back. So I feel like he's he's like every, between this announcement, him coming back, everything. Like it really does feel like they're just trying to get 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 this series back going in a, a direction and yeah. get the popularity back and everything. So, I, yeah, I, I'm picking the mouse on this one. I can't. It's yeah. like, as bad as it is. <laughs> also, based on that statement I just read, it does sound like the Tenant ones will come to Disney+. Plus. You know? Yeah, because they don't say anything about this. So yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Really interesting news. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it would be good for the show. It would be interesting. It definitely feels like the show will be... Uh, tackling a different audience i guess like like you said trying to skew younger with of course shooty in the main role of course coming off the back of sex education which is more of a teen-based uh program um yeah that's what i'm saying the the show's always targeted kids the show's never targeted adults it's Mm. it's target audience has always been kids however it's it's written for all ages it's written for some episodes, yes, they would be quite, some episodes are going to go over kids' heads, that's fine. Some things are going to be like jokes or whatever, but whatever else. But the show was made for kids as a target audience and 
even when it was rebooted, it was still like any interviews and stuff like that. It was always like, okay, kids, kids, kids. Um, maybe they aim a little bit higher now. Maybe they're trying to target a little bit differently. But yeah, it's meant to be an all ages show. So I feel like Disney is appropriate place for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the show will probably benefit a great deal from the production values, um, like visual effects wise, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very keen to find out what, even like on that teaser, I was like, oh, the production of values on this for the tenant thing. I thought that looked pretty good in comparison to what we just saw of the episode. So, in hindsight, this all makes a lot more sense. Um, so yeah, there's a big news for Whovians out there. Uh, last story for this week, uh, the Actor Awards. All the nominees were announced for this year's Actor Awards uh, with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis uh, leading the way on the film side with 15 nominations while Mystery Origins uh, picked up 15 nominations on the TV side. Pretty exciting. So we're going to go through some of the big categories and uh, Dylan, just give me your predictions. Are you uh, eligible no to one vote? I vote? No one I voted for. No, actually, that's not lie. Some people I voted for at the end, but <laughs> okay. So your disclosure: Dylan voted because he signed up as an mem- actor member, which you can do. You can sign up for a general actor membership. Yeah, general. You have to get approved for the whatever for one. The I'm media, under, yeah. Media thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yes, best film. The nominees are Elvis, Here Out West, Sissy. The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, The Stranger, and 3,000 Years of Longing. Dylan, who are you predicting? I'm just going to predict The Stranger, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, I'm going with Elvis. I think, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea, but it was for a lot of other people, so. Uh, and it's like the biggest, flashiest movie there, for sure. <laughs> uh, best indie film, the nominees are A Stitch in Time, A Coney, Darklands, Lonesome, Pieces, and Smoke Between Trees. Um, Smoke Between Trees. Clearly, we haven't watched any of these, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> I uh, had to watch the Akoni. trailers, but yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, best lead actor in a film, the nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Rob Collins for The Drover's Wife, the Legend of Molly Johnson, Joel Edgerton for The Stranger, Idris Elba for 3,000 Years of Longing, and Damien Harriban for New Tuesday. Um, I really need to watch New Tuesday. I think it's on sand. It is, yeah. Shout outs. Um, I'm going to Joel Edgerton. I'm just sticking to my stranger. I'm going to go Austin Butler. Uh, lead actress in a film, the nominees are Aisha D for Sissy, Leah Purcell for The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, Julia Savage for Blaze, Tilda Swinton for 3,000 Years of Longing, and Jackie Van Beek for New Tuesday. Uh, Tilda Swinton. I'm also going to go Tilda Swinton. Why? Opportunity to give Tilda Swinton an award? Why not? Mm, why not? <laughs> uh, best Supporting Actor in a Film, the nominees are Simon Baker for Blaze, Jermaine Clement for New Tuesday, Malachi Dower-Roberts for The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, Tom Hanks for Elvis, and Sean Harris for The Stranger. Sean Harris. I'm also going to show Sean Harris. Definitely not Tom Hanks. Uh, best Supporting Actress in a Film, the nominees are Jada Alberts for The Stranger, Jessica DeGau for The Driver's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, Olivia DeJong for Elvis, 
Joanna Lumley for Falling for Figaro, and Yalestone for Blaze. Uh, Yalestone. Right, and Best Direction in a film, the nominees are Elvis, uh, Baz Luhrmann for Elvis, Hannah Barlow and Kane Sen- Senes for Sissy, Leah Purcell for The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, Thomas M. Wright for The Stranger, and George Miller for 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, Thomas M. Wright. I'm going to go Baz Luhrmann. So, yeah, banking on Elvis performing. Uh, move over to the television side. Uh, best drama series. Louis. Best drama series. The nominees yeah. are Bump, Heartbreak High, Love Me, Mystery Road Origin, The Tourist, and Wolf Like Me. All in on Bump, baby. Uh, I'm going to go Mystery Road Origins. But yeah, interesting collection of films, uh, TV series. Uh, oh. What? Only Mystery Road is on live action TV. Unsurprising. Uh, yeah. I have to check out. I was also like, um, people, you get fuck all original Australian TV shows on uh, cable TV or whatever you want to call it now, because ABC barely puts out any and neither does SBS, the two places that you'd expect them to. Uh, But Stan does put out a fair few. So whenever people complain, I'm like, there's stuff on Stan. Three nominees on Stan, so. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, Best miniseries, the nominees are Barons, Savage River, The Twelve, True Colors, and Underbelly Vanishing Act. Um, I haven't watched any of them. Uh, yeah. What was the second one? Savage River. Yeah, Savage River, that one, yes. I'm going to go with the 12, which I've seen ads for a lot. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, that out there? What? The 12, is that out now? Yeah, it's on Binge or Foxtel. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, best comedy program the nominees are Aftertaste Five Bedrooms Hard Quiz Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell Speaks and Specs and Summer Love uh, Mad as Hell yeah okay Mad as Hell as well I didn't realise that show finished up I saw yeah no, wasn't that like a couple of years ago <laughs> <laughs> no this year like oh, that a few sense. weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best Entertainment Program, the nominees are Eurovision Australia Decides, Gold Coast 2022, Lego Masters, Mastermind, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, The Doghouse Australia, and The Voice Australia. Lego Masters, the only one on there I watch. Uh, yeah, go Lego Masters as well. Uh, best Factual Entertainment Program, the nominees are Back Roads, <laughs> Gogglebox Australia, Muster Dogs. Old people's home for teenagers. Who do you think you are? And you can't ask that. Abstain. <laughs> uh, I'll say, you know, old people's home for teenagers. That seems like it'd be solid. Best reality program. Nominees are Amazing Race Australia. Australian Survivor Blood vs. Water. I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. Lux Listing Sydney, MasterChef Australia, and The Bridge. Survivor, I guess. Shout outs, buddy. Uh, I'm going to guess The Bridge. Uh, all right. Uh, best children's program. The nominees are First Day, Little J and Big Kuru, Cuz, 
Mavericks, Rock Island Mysteries, and the PM's Daughter. Oh, yeah, and Bluey. Bluey! <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah. It's Bluey all the way. Uh, best stand-up special. The nominees are Geraldine Hickey for What a Surprise, Ronnie Chang for Speakeasy, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2022 Gala supported by Oxfam, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2022 Opening Night Comedy All-Star Show, Tom Ballard Enough, and Tommy Little, I'll See Myself Out. All night, Ronnie. Yeah, it's our boy, Ronnie Chang. It's got to be. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has supported him as much as we have over or years, to be honest. claimed him as much as we have. Or claimed him as much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Best documentary. The nominees are Ablaze, Clean, Everybody's Oma, uh, Franklin, Ithaca, and River. Uh, Franklin. Uh, I'm going to go River. Or else I'll go Everybody's Omar, which I haven't watched yet, but I want to. Yeah. Uh, last one of the categories that we're going to list on the show, because there is a lot more categories, a lot of technical stuff mm. as well. So, Best digital series or channel. The nominees are A Beginner's Guide to Grief, Black As, Iggy and Ace, It's Fine, I'm Fine, Jimmy Reeves POV, and Aussie Man Reviews. Uh, Aussie Man Reviews. I'll also tell those man reviews. He's a good dude. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Alright. That's all the news that we got for this week. Uh, Alright, let's give some thumbs to some trailers. Uh, of course, you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about this week by checking out the show notes below. First trailer. A Man Called Otto, directed by Mark Forrester, uh, starring Tom Hanks, Marina Trevino, Rachel Keller, and Manuel Garcia Rolfo. When a lively young family moves in next door, grumpy widower Otto Anderson meets his match in a quick-witted pregnant woman named Marisol, leading to an unlikely friendship that turns his world upside down. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer of Tom Hanks playing a grumpy old man? Yeah, really weird watching Tom Hanks play a grumpy old man, to be honest. I'm used to Clint Eastwood filling this role. <laughs> um, I liked it. I like the. I feel like it's sort of. It's almost paint by numbers. You feel you're like you know what's going to happen. You know they're gonna they're gonna melt his his cold, uh, cold heart, yeah. much like Jack Frost in the Santa Claus Three. But the um, what a weird pull. But you know, it still looks good. The the it's Tom Hanks actually doing a good Tom Hanks, but not actually just playing the Tom Hanks that you always see, but actually acting and um and you know the story's going to go, but you also know that it's going to make you feel good watching it seeing that journey mm. happen it's like gonna be that sort of movie so the kids looking di- uh charming and everything like that so yeah i'm i'm going two thumbs up oh wow yeah i, I liked it i, I thought it looked good i went one up one down sort of. but you know i was more, i was positive i liked it um mm. yeah it just looks fine you know uh interestingly maybe the- i was feeling down when i watched it and it, it helped cheer me up i don't know maybe that was a yeah it just lifted <laughs> you up a little bit i'm like oh, this is really weird i didn't uh, wa- i didn't watch it when it came out like a week or so ago but yeah, yeah. Anyway. but i can't remember how i was feeling at the time <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean it tells i feel like the trailer just kind of tells a lot of what the story is going to be but that's fine because going in you probably i don't feel like it matters because you it know where it's going to go anyway even if they showed less you'd still know yeah um yeah, it looks solid, you know, Tom Hanks leaning into his grumpiness, I guess. <laughs> you know, 
his age, you know, or leave it into the stereotype of old men being grumpy. Um, yeah. I like that part where the, the woman comes to ask for a, she comes to ask for a lift or whatever, and he's like, you can't drive, and it just cuts to her, like, I was like, why would you, why would you just suddenly give her a driving lesson? Wouldn't you like just drive? <laughs> just like, drive her there. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Or the part where he, like he's uh, babysitting the kids and just falls asleep. So that was quite funny. No, this is quite funny. Um, and he costs a clown. Uh, interestingly, this is based well, on- Well, he stole money. <laughs> Come on, 25. He stole a fucking quarter. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't let him wait till he made it reappear. Uh, apparently this is based on a Academy Award nominated uh, international film um, from Sweden I want to say um, so yeah interesting so this one is coming to Australian cinemas on January 1st 2023 which isn't far away next trailer for this week The Sun directed by Florian Zeller uh, starring Hugh Jackman Vin- Laura Dern Vanessa Kirby Zen McGrath Hugh Quarshie and Anthony Hopkins. A couple of years after his parents divorce, 17-year-old Nicholas no longer feels he can stay with his mother, Kate. He moves in with his pa- father, Peter, and Peter's new partner, Beth, juggling work, his and Beth's new baby, uh, and the offer of his dream job in Washington. Peter tries to care for Nicholas as he wishes his own father had cared for him. But by hold- by reaching for the past to correct his mistakes, he loses sight of how to hold onto the Nicholas in the present. Dylan, what did you think of Trailer for the Sun? I'm giving it two thumbs down solely because I can't believe this motherfucker made a follow-up film to The Father Called The Son. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Get the hell out of here with that shit. No, I'm, I'm giving it one up one down. <laughs> um, looks good. Hugh Jackman uh, looks like he's putting in a good performance. Kind of crazy that um, <laughs> fucking Anthony Hopkins is in here literally playing a father again, though. Um, grumpy, grumpy father again. But, yeah, I... Uh, I'm keen. I feel like there's a little bit more than meets the eye to this. I don't know what, because of course there's a lot of, I don't really understand what's going on with the kid. Maybe, I don't know, is it, is it he's just like depressed and struggling? Like, mm. or is it something, some, something else going on there? So, um, yeah, keen to watch it, of course, because the father was really, really good. So, yeah, I can't believe that. I was like, you're going to make your follow up movie called The Son to The Father. <laughs> Come on. Well, the Holy Spirit, is that next? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. It is adapted from his play, The Sun. Uh, so, you know, there is a little bit of precedence as to why it would be called The Sun. Um, I liked it. I would probably give it one up, one down as well. Um, you know, obviously, it's a lot more star-filled than his last film. Uh, not that his last film really could have had a bunch of star power. Um, but yeah, it looks like it'll be an interesting drama of Batman trying to juggle family and that kind of stuff. Set in one location, so. Mm, It looks like it's set in all locations, you know. No, it looks like it's set in heaps of different places. Yeah, unlike the father. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The father is set in one place. I enjoy, I do enjoy seeing Anthony Hopkins here. He he gets a great line, you know. You're just here to tell me how great a father you are. Do you want a cast card? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wanted good. Uh, yeah, so The Sun is coming to Australian cinemas on the 9th of February, 2023. Next trailer, 1899, uh, created by Hyansi Fries and Baron Bo Odar, starring Emily Beecham and an extensive ensemble cast. Immigrants on a steamship traveling from London to New York get caught up in a mysterious riddle after finding a second vessel adrift on the open sea. 
Dylan, this is a series you've been eagerly anticipated. What did you think of the trailer? Double thumbs up. I can't wait. For people who don't know why I'm super excited for this, the long short is this is the follow-up series by the people who did Dark. Um, it has some insane imagery in it. It has a really interesting sci-fi plot or whatever else. But like, as interesting as the plot is, and just the ship, like, I feel like that alone is an interesting, you know, mystery box or sci-fi sort of, like, thing, you know, what's going on here and whatever else. It's the fact that I've had this experience with them before where they had a very high um, high sci-fi show previously that dealt with a lot of really out-there elements, but ultimately what made Dark so good is it had really fucking good characters and writing for them and dialogue and everything else, so... Um, yeah, as Dark is one of my favorite shows of all time, um, and definitely my favorite thing that's on Netflix, I would say. Um, I can say that easily because, like, it's finished. Like, it's, you mm. know, like, I'm, I'm like, you, you look at some strange things and you're like, yeah, season two is okay. And, you know, this is like Dark from start to finish. It's fucking a banger. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this. Double thumbs up. Three thumbs up. <laughs> uh, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. I mean, it raises I hate interesting- you. You're fired. Why? I don't have a third thumb. I just can't allow that. <laughs> I just can't allow that. <laughs> okay, two thumbs down. Uh, okay. Looks boring. What the fuck? No. Why are they speaking other languages? <laughs> <sighs> they speak multiple languages. They, they're not all speaking. There's some English in this. And so nobody's going to be happy. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, some, oh, everybody has to read subtitles. Actually, that would actually be difficult for like subtitles, I guess. Okay. So like, uh, we'll I just translate like, I can't tell like... In the trailer, I feel like, I, and I could be wrong, but I feel like there's like more than two languages. I feel like yeah, there's like German, sure English, and like French or something. So, like, so I feel like that's wiki- really interesting. On the Wikipedia page, it's under original languages. It lists English, Spanish, French, Polish, German, Danish, Portuguese, and Cantonese. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? Like, I've never seen that in a show before. No, yeah. Just- I, I guess it's because it's a, it's a boat of immigrants from all over the place. Yeah. They're all speaking their own languages. I think that's really interesting. So I've, I've really never seen that before. Yeah. So yeah, it looks interesting. It looks like high production values, like this whole ship thing, and like what the fuck happened to that other boat? <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's a Bermuda Triangle thing because obviously the poster has like a triangle in the yeah, background. They're trying to like they map it out or whatever. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, pretty interesting. So yes, this is coming to Netflix. Uh, 17th of November. Not far away. Fucking go. Uh, next trailer is for Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Uh, directed by Alejandro G. Inaratu. Uh, starring Daniel Jimenez Cacho and Griselda, uh, Cicilani. Uh, a renowned Mexican journalist and documentary filmmaker returns home and works through an existential crisis as he grapples with his identity, familial relationships, and the folly of his memories. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Bardo? False Chronicles by Handful of Truths. Um, I'm going one up, one down. I've been reading about this movie uh, off and on, like, since the announcement and everything, because obviously um, Alejandro Inuritu is a fantastic director, and i like all these movies I've watched of his basically well I like them all like even if I've got some like Birdman I have some problems with or whatever else but 
Um, really interesting director, obviously. This oh, one's getting yeah. some mixed reviews out of what? <laughs> Revenant, not enough bears. <laughs> no, that's not a real thing. Um, this one's I've seen get some mixed reviews, which I think is quite interesting. So um, I'm I'm intrigued to watch it because like the it just seems to be about Mexico, right? Like that's the like at least from what you could grab from the the trailer. Like it's a dude sort of going through a. I don't know. Like, there's a part where he's, he can't even get into his own country. Like, people are telling him, he's like, he's like, I'm from here, and they're like, No, you're not. And he gets like carried off. So it seems to have that sort of otherworldly element that Birdman has to it. You know, like where there's just odd, odd stuff happening, and maybe it's in his head. I, I don't really know. But yeah, I'm I'm really really interesting because it, it's from a director who sort of just has his own style and way he likes to make movies and stories or whatever else. And this seems to have a very like personal story to it. I. I guess, like in one way or another, like maybe it's a just yeah to do. I don't know his his country. I guess like just Mexico as a country is what I grab from it. But I'm going one up, one down. Um, yeah, one up, one down. Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably go one up, one down as well. I mean, it looks wild. So much interesting imagery Mm. and that kind of stuff. But is it going to have like a story that kind of melds all this interesting imagery together? Um. Yeah, it it definitely looks interesting. Um, obviously coming from good pedigree, uh, but yeah, there's little idea of what the actual story of the the thing is going to be. But actually, I'm going to give it two thumbs up. As a trailer, it's definitely got me intrigued, and like the imagery is enough to get me to watch it. So as a trailer, I think it succeeds. Uh, you know, yeah, two thumbs up. <laughs> so this is coming to select theaters on November seventeenth before streaming on Netflix on December 16th. So yeah, look forward to that if you're in a capital city. Final trailer for this week. If you're in a capital city, this motherfucker over here. I'm just saying the facts. Do you think your cinema is going to be showing Bardo? (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Final trailer for this week. Creed 3. Directed by Michael B. Jordan, starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Florian Montanu, and Felicia Richard. Uh, five years after Creed 2, after dominating the boxing world, Adonis Donny Creed has been thriving in both his career and family life. When a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, Damien Dame Anderson, resurfaces after serving a long sentence in prison, he's eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. The face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Donnie must put his future on the line to battle Dame, a fighter who has nothing to lose. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Creed 3? Double thumbs up. Looks really, really good. I think it's, this looks like a return to form, because obviously the thing with Creed 1 was it was all about um, this brand new character. It was about Adonis. What? Well, Look, obviously, it had the the Rocky like legacy there because he always he was the, mm. he was a Creed like he was the, the son like he always knew there was an element there, but um, he had like such an interesting story there, and it felt like its own world and whatever else. And like obviously, we've spoken about Creed two. I don't really like Creed two, like it was fine, but I didn't really enjoy it much because it became the Rocky movie again. Like it sort of yeah. seemed like he got pushed aside and everything like that. So getting back to this, this feels very much like why. Creed, but the first one was so good. Um, Michael B. Jordan directorial debut, really cool. 
Um, interested to see like how it all comes together because of that. But I think also just like looking at the writers, like Ryan Coogler is actually back writing the story for this one. He didn't write the story for the second one. Like Keenan Coogler and um, Zach Balin. And I think Zach Balin did the did he do yeah he Creed, did um, King, King Richard, Richard. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what. So, like, there is pedigree here between the writers and then, like, the interesting Michael B. Jordan in the director's seat and everything like that. And, I mean, Jonathan Majors looks absolutely insane, like, buff the fuck out for this role. It's, he looks scary as fuck, which is the whole point, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, I, I'm going dub pubs up. I'm really keen. I like the story. The whole, like, a dude who has nothing to lose. That's Rocky's going through a similar sort of opponent, and that was made for a really good movie. So, um, if that can hit similar sorts of tones and, and stuff like that, I think this is cool. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm keen. After the letdown that was Creed 2, really, really excited to hopefully get this franchise back on track. Yeah, this is double thumbs up for me as well. Uh, Double thumbs up. I can't remember if I said, but yeah. Yeah, you said it right off the top, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> this is shot straight up my list for most anticipated films of 2023. Um, yeah, looks amazing. Like, the, the obviously, the shots at the very end, like, in the ring, I think it just looks really good. Um, unlike Creed 2, which was, like, kind of bland looking, you know? I don't, yeah. Creed, I was struggling to remember what Creed 2, what happened in Creed 2, what, you know, other than, you know... I think we did a spoiler cast, didn't we? Or did we just talk yeah, about it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did a spoiler all. cast. Yeah, um, I don't remember talking highly about it, so... Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. I think it looks amazing. Jonathan Major's crazy. Crazy! Mm. <laughs> just, you know, that shirt, he, he just pops up on the beach with no shirt on. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Ant-Man's got no shot. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that's yeah. the takeaway. If yeah. he's got if he's built himself like this for this, uh surely he's gotta look like that for the rest of the MCU. I mean um but yeah. Another I mean it is kind of a, a story that we've seen told before, you know, childhood friends, one of them went to prison or whatever and comes back and has a grudge or whatever and they have to fight uh each other, but you know there's this reason these kind of stories are retold because they're so good. Um and you know. I'm excited to see what Michael B. Jordan goes in the director's chair. Um, again, just tell a cast around him. Of course, you know, Tess Thompson's amazing as well. So, um, yeah. Eagerly anticipating this movie, which we'll be releasing in cinemas on March 2nd, 2023. So I was just looking on IMDb to see what else he has coming up. Because I'm thinking, like, between this and Ant-Man, obviously, big 2023. So is he filming the next Elijah Bunham movie, which is the dude that did um, Hot Summer Nights with um, Timothy... Shemelay. Um The synopsis of this movie is a black amateur bodybuilder struggles to find <laughs> human connection in an exploration of celebrity and violence. My dude's just getting hired for all the big <laughs> bodybuilder. Boxer, yeah, why not? Big fucked up Kang. Yeah. Just Body, bulk up sure. once and then, you know, stay that size, just I guess. Do all the movies. Yeah. I yeah. guess. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, maybe someone got a set photo and like, damn, we need to put him in our bodybuilder <laughs> movie. <laughs> maybe. Looking forward to the Jonathan Majors dominance coming forward. All right, let's wrap up this week's episode of What Do You Want to Watch with that What Do You Watch Top 3. Definitely in the top three. Uh, we thought, you know, with the regime at the top of the table, we would pitch our top three uh, DC projects we would like to see. Uh, so, yeah, James Gunn, if you're listening, Peter Safran, if you weren't offended by Dylan confusing you with an Australian comedian. Uh, take on some of those. your friends with Father Bob, you know. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, what's your number three? 
My answers for this top three are going to be really boring, but I just went with my honest answers. So, you know, sorry, no big hot takes or funny things this week. But uh, my number three is Man of Steel 2. Like, I really like Man of Steel. I actually like Henry Cavill's Superman. I, I, we, ne- we never actually got a proper Superman sequel. So I just like, please don't just get Henry Cavill to appear in a bunch of cameo appearances over the next five years. I need that. I actually want a Man of Steel 2. My number three is a Resurrection Man movie. So in the wake of James Gunn uh, announcing, or the announcement, uh, Robert C. Cargill, obviously a writer who's worked a lot with Scott Derrickson, uh, it was, he brought it up. I don't know exactly how he brought it up. Maybe somebody asked what he would want to do at DC. He suggested Resurrection Man, who's a character who, when he dies, he comes back with powers that would have stopped that would have helped him from not dying the time before. So, I- I've never heard of this character in my life. I've seen, <laughs> like, the comic book, like, on listings of comic books, but I've never actually read one. But that concept sounds interesting in, like, a Scott Derrickson, Robert C. Cargill, duo Resurrection Man movie. That sounds interesting. Put it on the list. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two, I was going to write a Green Lantern movie because I still want one, but then I thought oh, I'd actually just pick a storyline. So, I'm going to say Brightest Day- um, adapt that in some form or fashion because that's my favorite Green Lantern book that I've read. Um, it's got all the lanterns showing up, doing ballads, big old com- comic book event crossover thing where there's a million spin-offs that you don't really need to read. But that's, I would say, do a Green Lantern movie, just start that, fuck it, let's go hard. Interesting. Uh, we didn't talk about it in the news, but obviously they're still working on the Green Lantern TV series, but apparently oh. they're completely retooling it. So yeah. it's going to be a John Stewart based uh, series, which I get, imagine would be awkward for the actors who had cast in the other <laughs> Greenland roles. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll get it sometime in the future. My number two: big budget animated films. It's been nice. We get the director DVD films on a regular basis, but give me something like Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Give me like big ac- big action, big screen animated films with these cast, this slate of DC characters, S- ones that you can tell multiple stories in different animation styles. Um, you can tell these longer arcs and stories and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's what I want. I want actual big DC animated films. Talking like a guy who's never watched Lego Batman. Lego Batman's great. Give me more of that. I went to see Titan Titans go to the movies in cinemas, so, you know, give me more of that. <laughs> Dylan, what's your number one? Number one is Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's not even a joke answer. I, it's not even like, give me the movie you just shot. In general, I want a Batgirl movie. If I could have it my, my way, I would actually, like, it wouldn't be the movie they were actually shooting. Like, my perfect Batgirl movie is the the run like Batgirl Burnside. That Batgirl Burnside. That's that's what I want. I want a teen based Batgirl. Like it's 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 fucking a John Hughes movie, but it's Batgirl is what I want. You know, it's easy A, but it's Batgirl. That's that's the tone of the the movie I want. It's got you know like it's got uh fuck. Where the fuck I don't have a character's name? Black whatever the fucking... Um, Black Widow. Oh, no. Black Canary. 
it's got Black Canary in it and a fucking rock band and all this other shit. That's my perfect, in my perfect world, that is the, the tone and the, the vibe. And that's how I'd picture the movie studios is I'd be saying that it's easy. A, but Batgirl fucking John Hughes movie, but Batgirl. That's what I want. Yeah. My number one is Henry Cavill Superman. I don't specifically, I didn't specifically put Man of Steel 2 because I don't know if I would definitely, if, you know, I doubt, I doubt for one, it will be called Man of Steel 2. Um, but my dream would be just give us the good, wholesome Superman that we have not gotten this entire time. You know, give us the actual Superman from the comics rather than this guy who kills or is whiny or uh, is angry or dead. Those have been all the options we've had so far. So, hey, give me, give me a Superman that elicits hope in people. That's what I want. Give me Ted Lasso, but Superman. That's what I want. No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds exactly like what I. Give me Superman saving normal everyday people, you know, rather than just fighting giant monsters and Batman and being killed by things. Yeah. Do you bleed? Yeah, we don't need to see him bleed. We just need to see him help people. Alright. Let us know what your top three DC projects you want to see under James Gunn and Peter Safran by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to our Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, uh, leave us five stars. Anyway, you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you really liked this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our coffee page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.